The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Jesus returned from the region of Tyre and went by way of Sidon towards the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech and they begged him to lay his hand upon him. Jesus took him aside in private away from the crowd and put his fingers into his ears and he spat and touched his tongue. Then he looked up to heaven, he sighed, and said to him, Ephathatha, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Then Jesus ordered them to tell no one, but the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. One evening this summer when we were staying in Florence, we had had one of those late meals. They always seem to be so much later than I ever want to eat. And on our way home, as we walked home, we realized that we probably should stop by the uh, corner cafe and have a cup of cappuccino before we turned in. So we did that, and as we were standing there waiting for the cappuccino to be finished, there was a woman sitting at a table behind us. She called out to us, an American, and she said, did I see you the other night at the restaurant down the street? And in fact, she had. We had seen her. We actually had seen her on the street during the day, and one of the other days that we were walking around. And she stood out some because she had these two wonderful little poodles, miniature poodles, one black and one white, that were just precious. And I got to know the poodles that night in the cafe. (laughs) She said they were her good boys. She had seven children, and her husband uh, is an architect in New York City, and they have this apartment in Florence where she and the children and her husband, when he gets time, go in the summer. I thought, as we talked with her, that she seemed to be somewhat of a lonely person. Uh, Obviously, her children very important to her, but in the course of our time talking with her, we didn't hear anything about any social life or any connections other than the Roman Catholic Church there in Florence that she went to along with her dogs. (laughs) We had a very interesting conversation with her because as we talked, The conversation turned to 9-11 and what had happened to her husband. Her husband, an architect, as I had said, had been in one of the uh, World Trade Center towers and had been at a meeting and then apparently had come down a couple of floors from the conference room where he was and he called her and said, we've apparently been hit by a small plane. 
Well, she hung up, she turned on the television and saw what was happening. She called him back and she said, it's not a small plane. She said, the entire top of the building you're in is on fire. You have to get out of there now. Well, he said, my briefcase is up in the conference room where I was. And that new pen I bought in Florence, a Visconti, he was a pen collector, is in that briefcase and I'm not going to leave it behind. And besides the plans that I had and worked with with this client are up there as well. So she said he insisted that he go back. Well, he went back, got his briefcase, came down one of the stairwells, and I'm sure you've heard the stories many times. The smoke was so thick in the stairwells. He called her another time and had his shirt around his head so he could breathe and said he was going to have to get out of the stairwell and go to another one, find another one. And he did. And it was one that did not have a lot of smoke in it, but it was full of people. He said that there were people trying to go down as firefighters were trying to come up and it was only four feet by four feet. She recounted this and as she talked about it, her daughter who was in high school commented that she had lost a number, her, her friends had lost a number of their parents. And in fact, the town that they're from, Garden City, Long Island, lost more people on 9-11 than any other city in America. They were devastated by that loss. Well, she went on to describe what her husband went through. And as he came down this uh, stairwell that was somewhat free of smoke, he got to one point and there was a young woman he thought perhaps might have been an intern. She was uh, huddled in a corner, motionless. She could not move. She was immobilized. She was so afraid. And Mary, I'll call this woman, said her husband went over to, to this young girl, realizing she had to get up or she would die or kill others who could not get out. And he told her, if we get out of here, I'm going to buy you the best steak dinner in New York. Now you come with me. <laughs> and she did. She got up. She, he gave her enough courage to stand up and to start to go down that stairwell. Well, Mary said that her husband and this young woman uh, were about a block away from the towers when the first one fell. And she said his life has never been the same since. He has been changed forever because of that experience. And any of us who know people or who have been through experiences like that know that life is never the same after something like that. And perhaps we could say that for us as Americans, life will never be the same again either. But I bring this story before you on this uh, eve of the fifth anniversary of that terrible tragedy, because I, I would guess that the question that was in your mind was in my mind as well on that day. And that question was, where is God? I think when we see things like that, we ask that question and we know that the answers are never easy, but we still must ask it because we must be honest with ourselves and we must be honest with God. Where is God at times like that? One of the greatest truths, I think, of the Christian faith is for us to remember again and again that God is with us through the most difficult aspects of our life, in the pain, in the sorrow, and in the loss, and in the joys. God is with us always. But there are times when it's so very hard to hold on to that. 
I think today's gospel lesson uh, sheds some light on the character of Jesus, but also through Jesus on giving us a better understanding, perhaps, of the character of God. Jesus had been ministering far and wide. His reputation had grown. Uh, Everybody wanted to be close to him. I can imagine that his existence at that particular time in his ministry was not unlike that of a rock star. Somebody who could not get away from people and ever get any rest. So in today's account, what we hear is that Jesus has gone into the Gentile country, into the Decapolis. And perhaps he went there thinking that over there, among the Gentiles, they won't know about me. And I will be able to get some rest. Well, that's not what happened. When he got there, some people bring a man to him, and they don't just ask him, they beg him to put his hand on this man and to heal him. And Jesus does that. And one of the interesting aspects of this lesson is that Jesus apparently uses uh, techniques that would have been used by, we would perhaps say, a pagan healer or at least a non-Christian healer. And I find that very interesting. It's almost as though Jesus says, I know you want me to heal you. I'm going to do it in the way that you expect it to be done. And so Jesus does the sorts of things that were done by healers of that time. And then finally, he looks up to heaven and says, be open. And his ears were opened and he could speak. I think it's also important for us to remember the context in which Jesus was acting this parable, in a sense, this image of God that he gives us. The Gentile country was an unclean place for a faithful Jew. He should not come in contact with other with Gentiles, and one can imagine that he tried not to. But when the situation presented itself to him, he did not back away from it. But rather, he ignored the taboos of his time. And I think he ignores the taboos of our time as well. And he reached out and he touched an unclean Gentile. Not just unclean because he's a Gentile, but unclean because he could not speak properly and could not hear. He was imperfect. Jesus reached out over and over again and touched people who were untouchable. People who were beyond the pale for so many. I think Jesus calls us to do that as well. That, I believe, is a character of God. Somebody said, sometime when you're sitting in the mall, if you get a chance to just sit down and watch folks go by, ask yourself, who would you have the hardest time sitting beside in church and why? Now, I had that experience not long ago. I won't share with you. (laughs) who I saw and what I thought. (laughs) You can use your own imaginations. (laughs) But it it was a really good experience for me to sit there and think about where are these, where are these lines that I draw that I may not be willing to reach beyond. I think Jesus calls us and the church, God calls the church to constantly ask itself, where have we drawn the lines? Who are we keeping out? But I'm also reminded of the wonderful ministry that we have in this parish around healing. And there are many people involved in it. It's been going on now well over a year, about a year and a half. 
And there have been many instances where people have declared that they have been made whole in a way that they were not whole before. And the, the way it's done is the way it has been done from ancient times by people placing their hands on another human being, praying for them, and expecting that good things are going to happen for that person. Expecting that God is going to transform that situation. That, I believe, is a ministry that we really are called to as a parish. And I give thanks every Sunday when I know that there are people who come over here and receive prayer for healing. And there are those who are sitting there praying for people as they're over here. So, where was God on 9-11? Where was God for the man who needed to be healed in the Gentile territory of the Decapolis? God was there present with him and I believe that God was there in those burning towers I believe that God was there in the moments of despair and those few quick moments of tender exchange between people who loved one another but knew they might not see one another again I think God was there in the firefighters who gave of themselves so selflessly Willing to give their life, knowing that going up into that, those buildings might mean that they will never get out. God was there. God was there in the presence of a stranger who was willing to take a moment and talk to a young woman and help her have the courage to get up and walk and save her life. God is there. God is there in our pain. God is there in our sorrow. God is present in our joys. God is with us in the depths of despair. As we think about that commemoration that we will have tomorrow, and those who wish to pray on, on that fifth anniversary, there will be prayers for peace tomorrow night in the chapel at 6.30. And we'll also have prayers for those who died on 9-11. But we must 